I know it can be scary to up your price point because it feels like no one will buy it or no one will hire you. But I believe that it will actually just catapult you into the next level of clientele if your product. You're listening to the Gangstar Creative Podcast, where we talk and share real strategies, real tactics, and real stories from me and my badass guests to help Gangstar creatives and artists like you thrive in both your business and life. And I'm your host, Ivana. I'm an artist, creative entrepreneur, speaker, and best-selling author. Are you ready to annihilate the status quo of the starving artist? If so, let's get it. What's up, Gangstars? It's your girl, Devana, and this week's Gangstar creative is Erin Miller-Ray. She's an artist and designer specializing in hand-painted visual branding. She partners directly with clients to develop unique murals and artwork designs for branded content, commercial use, outdoor advertisement, social media installations, and public art. Erin founded her company after merging her love of producing and design as a one-stop shop for production design and installation for clientele looking to create alternative forms of artwork for public engagement and commercial use. Her work focuses mainly on large-scale mural projects in an effort to increase social benefits to public artwork and communities. Through her exploration of modern, energetic shapes and colors, she hopes to enhance the well-being of community members through access to public art. Erin's pieces are inspired by the community and the history of the area around the mural site and are designed to encourage audiences to explore creativity, possibility, healthy lifestyles, and engagement with others. She's worked with some really cool clients like Walmart, the NBA, Xbox, and so many more awesome people. So I'm super excited to dive in. We talk about a lot of things from how she gets clients, what it's like to work with more commercial-based clientele, um, and so much more. So let's go ahead and just hop into the episode. What's up, Gangstars? Another amazing episode coming at you. I got Erin miller Way here. I'm super excited to have her on. Erin, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So excited to talk with everybody and you. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So let's just start off by you telling our listeners a little bit about yourself. Who is Erin and where did you start and how did you end up where you are today? My name is Erin Miller-Ray. I am an artist, a designer, and a muralist. Um, I'm out in Los Angeles, California, originally from outside of Memphis, Tennessee, where I was born and raised. I went to college in Knoxville, Tennessee, so I'm a Tennessee girl. I can hear Um, your Southern twang. Yeah, (laughs) born and bred. Um, But I, right after college, I moved out to LA. So I've been out here for going on 12 years now. So this is, this is definitely my new home. Um, I studied interior design in college with a minor in musical theater. Um, So I have always kind of had a creative background um, and after college, or actually the year before I graduated college, I got an internship at an interior design firm. And I was staring out the window one day on this incredible internship job that I had. And I was like, huh, this can't be it. This can't be it. (laughs) How long ago was this? What year was this? This was my last year of college. Um, And the, the interior design program required us to get an internship I was actually in Nashville, Tennessee, working at a really great, great firm. 
And I was just thinking to myself, like, there's got to be, this isn't it for me. Like, there's got to be something more than this. I'm not, I'm not feeling full and um, creative here. Like, I don't feel like this is the space where my personality and my energy and my creativity is going to thrive. And at the time, I was also um, doing theater and musical theater because I had always wanted to be a performer in some aspect. Um, and so that was the summer I decided with one year of college left that I wanted to move to LA and pursue acting. So I gave myself one month after graduating college and I moved out to LA and I was pursuing acting and I got into comedy and oh, cool. I did comedy for about six years. Um, I graduated from Second City and UCB, and I was part of a sketch comedy troupe, um, all female. And we put on, we did sketch festivals all over the country. And we actually put on the first um, all female comedy festival here in LA. We did that for three years. So we were, I was really, engulfed in that world and loving it and we were writing a lot producing a lot but on the side to make money i i was still i was getting into production design and art direction and people would come to me and ask me to paint canvases or do this and that still sort of in that design world mm -hmm. and after six years of pursuing comedy i, I woke up one morning and kind of had a coming to jesus moment where I really had to look at my life and think, okay, I feel very split between these two worlds. I've loved them both. Um, but from here on out, if I'm going to pursue something, I want to pursue one thing and I want to pursue it super hard and I want to be super successful at it because I kind of felt worn thin trying to balance both of these worlds. And I had to have a really honest conversation with myself and look at what was filling me up at the end of the day. And when I looked at my life, what I was thinking about most and what I was excited about most, and actually Instagram helped me realize this about myself. I realized, you know, I'm not following a lot of comedians. I'm not like, I don't really, I'm not really following a lot of comedy movies or like this and that in this world. What I'm following on Instagram is artists and designers. And I realized I was thinking more about art and design than I was writing and comedy. So mm. that, that day I kind of realized I had to break up with this dream that I had had for my life for so long. And it was the hardest thing I've ever, ever had to do um, because it felt like a part of me was kind of like being put to rest, you know, I yeah. being like, Oh, I'm going to be a performer. I want to do, I want to be uh, on stage or in movies or whatever. And at the end of the day, like I was actually being, I was actually more fulfilled um, doing design, but I kind of contribute that to moving to LA because where I'm from, like I just had no idea of the opportunity that could come from creativity and design work and artistry. Um, mm. I feel like where I'm from, it was very limited to, okay, you go to college, you get a degree. Mm -hmm. um, if, it's, if it's you're pursuing art, you're either going to be an art teacher or an interior designer. And it was like a very limiting um, experience for me to feel kind of, I felt kind of trapped that I had to pick between like 
A, B, or C, okay, pick those. But then when I moved to LA, it was like, oh, no, 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 no. There's a whole world. You can actually become anything you want to be out here. <laughs> you like to draw? Cool. Go draw on that tree and someone will probably pay for, pray you for it. Or you want to... <laughs> um sew on socks cool go sew on socks someone's gonna love that and like pay you money to do that it was just like my mind was blown by all these new opportunities that were coming um just from the skill set of being able to paint draw um create designs and so that's kind of when my world opened up to design and what i could do with it and it simultaneously was happening at that that time about like six or seven years ago when chalk art was really hot. Do you remember that year? Mm -hmm. Like in 2013, like everybody was wanting chalk art and and chalk signs and if like signage getting, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. If you were getting married. It was like you must have cool chalk signs. So that is kind of like where my little baby snowball began and people just started commissioning me to do chalk lettering and chalk designs mm. and illustrations in restaurants and the canvases just sort of started growing naturally from there like i would do a small menu board for someone and then they'd want a larger sandwich board and oh now we want you to come in and we actually want this huge thing on the wall. So when people come in and, you know, Instagram was flourishing at that time too, where people were starting to take pictures in front of murals and tagging places and restaurants. So it was like a very important marketing thing for a lot of these locations to have some form of artwork or some showcase piece to share um, their establishment with the Instagram community. Right. So this was like, you started doing um, kind of venturing off into the more artsy side of your career and doing the lettering and signage in 2013 I, just I to kind of get a time so. frame yeah okay. it's, well it's six years ago so yeah 2014 probably okay cool um yeah so and yeah and then from there it was like okay well if I can do this with chalk let's try it with paint and so it was just sort of like a, a slow snowball effect of me just kind of um exploring and watching what the market was desiring and what people were paying for and kind of um, attacking that angle but also exploring who i was as an artist too and through my artwork kind of naturally attaching to certain brands and types of businesses and types of people who would want a similar kind of art. And now I, here I am today um, making giant murals and it's the most fun thing I've ever done. And I would have never imagined that my life would be this, but I'm so <laughs> grateful. I'm so grateful. And it's like, it's funny. Cause it's still, I mean, it's still changing even to this moment right now, as I speak to you, it's like every day I wake up open to the possibility of a pivot, uh, being possibly being necessary. And, um, yeah, I think that's important as an artist and a small business owner, a creative small business owner, um, because you kind of have to, you have to go with the flow on a lot of this stuff, but at the same time, keeping your 
your feet planted pretty firmly in knowing who you are and what you stand for and what kind of art you want to create. Mm. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, um, that's, that's Aaron Miller Ray. And that's <laughs> who I am today. <laughs> I love that. I'm so when you were, you know, growing into your art career and like building up, you know, your portfolio of doing like lettering and signage and kind of evolving into murals. Were you um, doing that full time immediately? Or were you still kind of doing the comedy route? And like, you had like a slower transition into the art stuff? Um, yeah. Or did it like have a part-time job? Like when was that moment you were able to do art full-time? Yeah. So I would say I was doing art full-time for about a year simultaneously to my last year doing comedy. Um, mm. Maybe a little longer than that, maybe a year and a half. Uh, but before that I was bartending. So, mm. which gave me a really flexible schedule for auditions and shows and things like that when I was doing comedy. Um, but it also gave me the flexibility of being able to pursue creative jobs as well. Like I remember actually really vividly like sitting or standing at the bar one day during one of my shifts because, you know, you get stuck in these jobs and you're like, the money's great. And I was fairly young at the time. I'm in my mid twenties, you know? And so I'm like very focused on like just survival, like just make rent. And, mm -hmm. um, so I was probably in that job a year too long. You know, it's like a bad relationship where you're like, well, the money's really, really good. And there's the <laughs> risk of not finding something as good. So maybe I should stay in this job. And so I was just kind of floating through this job, just taking the paycheck. But I remember standing at the bar one day and talking to a coworker and strategizing like, okay, well, how how could you leave here? Is it possible? How much money are you making? And if you did it full time, how much money, how much more money could you make as an artist doing lettering at the time? Mm -hmm. And we sat there and um, we actually like, I was like, yeah, I got to do this. Like I got to go. And so I think it was, it wasn't long after that where it was the, the sp scary moment of leaving that part of life to step out and and take a risk on my own because at the end of the day you know i kept telling myself like bartending is it's not going anywhere like i can always come back but like <laughs> yeah. if i don't take this risk and see if i can just do this thing and kind of press myself into this moment of maybe i won't make rent this month but what will that challenge me to do harder and what will that challenge me to step into to make rent that month, month as an artist, like that's what I was signing up for. Like I was ready for that. I was ready to embrace that fear and know that that is a possibility, but that's an okay possibility because that's actually the necessary step, first step in getting to the next step of truly being a full-time working consistent paycheck artist. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for sharing that too. Cause I know a lot of creatives kind of struggle with that, you know, with when's the right time to go in? Like, do I need to have something like saved up? Should I just jump ship yeah. and just do it? And, yeah. um, I think it's really cool. Like you sharing that. Cause everybody, I think everybody's circumstance is different and you got to kind of. Exactly. Yeah. And you have, to, you yeah. have to consider that, but I think, 
I think when your skill set is there and you have referrals or people referring you and you, so you're seeing traction in your work to the point where people are desiring what you're putting out, I think that's a, a good sign that you can take a baby step in that direction hmm. of kind of jumping off that cliff, if not just taking a full running start from jumping <laughs> off the cliff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Was there like a moment that was um, like a turning point for you where you felt successful in your art career or like did like a certain project or connection come into light where you were just like, wow, oh, yeah. like this is, well, tell us. yeah, share, share. What was Definitely. that like? Um, probably two moments. There was one moment like early, early on where I was just doing chalk signs and installations and someone approached me and was like hey we want like three big pieces of painted signage on our store um so and it was in LA and it, it was the first time where I was like oh whoa like people <laughs> will see this this isn't just like oh a menu board that you know looks just like anybody's handwriting or a wedding where they throw away the chalkboard afterwards. It's like, this was gonna be like on York Avenue and Highland Park. It was like a huge deal and it was a small business. And it was just like, it, it felt like I had arrived, like so exciting. The paycheck was like, oh, this is my rent and some, like, wow, what a mm -hmm. feeling. Um, so that was definitely a really, really exciting moment. It was also like the first time I was going to be on a scaffolding, like we're two stories up, like woo, big deal stuff. Um, so that was a really, really exciting moment. And that moment actually came after I had left bartending and was like out on my own. So I think that wow. was a special moment because it was like, Aaron, you're doing it. Like, see, like you, you trusted yourself in this, like you're showing up, you're doing the work, you're reaching out to the right people. So that was a moment where it felt that I definitely felt like I had, I had arrived in some way of like, um, there was definitely a confidence boost there of like, Hey, maybe I think, I think we're right in thinking that we can do this because there were so many times throughout my career where I'm like, is this, is this a real thing? Like, is this a thing that's going to last? Is this a thing that someday I'm going to be able to retire? Or is this a thing where like, I will go 12 months out of the year and there won't be a month where I'm like, Oh no, you know, it's like, <laughs> cause there were so many months where it was like, Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next three months it's like, Oh yeah. So it was definitely like, it's such a bumpy start. It is such a bumpy start. You just kind of got to keep both hands on the steering wheel and just keep, keep going and keep your eyes on the road. Um, and then I'd say then the, the other like true moment where I felt like, okay, now I'm stepping into a career was, um, that was maybe that was 2017, I think 2018. I was approached by Walmart to do two, yeah, two murals for their back to school campaign. And my artwork was going to be seen in all of the stores across America on their commercial that they're putting out. It's going to be in their catalogs. Like they were modeling the clothing in front of my artwork. And that was just an, like another 
double door that just busted wide open. And it was one of, it's like I was saying earlier, it was just one of those worlds I did not even know existed that mm. I was just stepping into going, okay, here we go. Like, here's, here's a, here's a new piece to this puzzle that I'm trying to put together. Um, yeah. And I mean, that was a whole other thing. Cause it was, it was a commercial production. It was fast paced. There were producers, yeah. there were agents, there was uh, conference calls, there were t deadlines and expectations and you can only use these colors and here's our brand. What would you create for it? So it was, it was less about, or it was, um, me discovering how to become an, uh, stay true to myself as an artist, but also honoring the artistry of an, of a brand. So kind of merging those two worlds together, which was really difficult at the time. It was the first time I was having to do that where they were going, we want to know, we want to see what's in your brain, but also like it has to look <laughs> like it's from our brain, you know? Yeah. So that was an interesting project. I ended up doing the, the next year with them as well, which was really great. Um, and it was, it was so exciting, so much fun. And that's when I really discovered something else about myself is that I loved, I loved the fast paced energy of being on set and working in production. I loved collaborating with all of these different ideas and having to communicate my idea to other people. Um, that's just like a weird thing about my brain that I enjoyed that process. Like that was actually the most fun part about that oh, wow. process. Yeah. For me. Um, a lot of creatives find that to be like the stressful part or, you know, like yes. the nitty gritty and the business that's like overwhelming. So it's really interesting yeah. that you like that part. I love that part. I love talking with people and, um, trying to understand what they're communicating to me. Like, I love trying to get clients to understand what I'm communicating and what they're communicating back to me to make sure we're on the same page. Like, I think it's mm -hmm. so fun for some weird reason. <laughs> that's um, awesome. I mean, that's like a good thing, trait to have, you know, and to build upon. Yeah, it's it's been good. So I think that's why I, I really love working with brands and creating for brands and um, businesses and whatnot. So... Yeah, yeah. Those, those were probably my two big wow moments. And then even I, I had one even this year, I got to work with the Viceroy Hotel and put a huge 75 foot mural on the front of the I Viceroy. I saw that. Hotel. Yeah, in Santa Monica. And it was just like, I'm just like staring at, I'm like standing at the bottom of it, staring up like, what? Like, <laughs> how did we get, how did we get here? This is insane. It's so amazing. And it's just like, that is actually my first piece that will remain in Los Angeles because I, in the past I had worked on so many like interior office murals or commercial shoots where we put them, put the murals up. And then five days later we take them down there. Mm. Yeah. Cause we have to get rid of them. Um, so I've been working on so many fast paced projects like that or temporary projects like that, or just in spots where the public doesn't necessarily have access to the artwork. They're more private commissions. Yeah. Um, so this was one in LA that I 
truly felt like an artist in the sense of they were like, we want an Aaron Miller Ray piece. And so it was artistic freedom to create something from my heart and something that I wanted to see up there and thought the community would want to see up there and thought the brand would be proud to see up there. And so it was, it was just a really, really special, special moment for me. What was it like operating like an 80 foot lift? I mean, just painting that oh, high wow. up and how was that experience? Oh my doing gosh. That process? a belly ache it was just such a belly ache (laughs) it was okay so the first time because i've used lifts before but this Mm -hmm. one in particular was the highest we're facing the ocean so you have these crazy ocean winds like offshore winds and like when you get up to the very top at the at the 75 feet you're just like swaying back and forth and then there's like this huge awning that was going over or like just at the bottom of my piece because my piece started on the second floor and then went up to the eighth floor and so there was an awning over the first floor that the lift had to kind of shoot out over sideways on top of and then turn so it's already at this weird wonky angle to where i'm not just going like straight up like you would a roller coaster you know like you're like okay mm-hmm. like, i got this i got this i'm literally like uh, 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 like shifting and changing this thing slowly like little by little trying trying to finagle my way to the very top and i think the first time i did it i truly I had like all of production below me. I had my two, my assistants below me, photographers below me. That's another thing. There are all these photographers there. So I'm like, <laughs> I said, I just need to go up by myself one time and feel it out. And I did. And I think it took me about 20 minutes truly to figure out the pathway up and finagle it up straight so that I could reach the highest corner effectively Mm -hmm. and then get back down. So yeah. 20 minutes is pretty quick in my mind. I just (laughs) like adjusting it and everything. (laughs) Yeah. That's crazy. Like day two, you're up there just zipping around. Like you're actually probably (laughs) overly confident. So That's yeah, awesome. it was fun though. It was pretty cool being up there, getting to see the, um, the ocean and everything. Like you can see views for days up there, which was cool. Wow. That's so cool for operating something like that. Did you have to like get some sort of certification or did somebody like help operate it to get it in the position you needed it to, or did you, they like drop it off and you had to like set it up and do everything on your yeah. own? This one they dropped they dropped off because they had used it before me. But what what you can do is just like call one of the specialists and they show up immediately and just talk you through everything and give you a rundown. So and I had used these before, so it's more just the machinery. They're all different. So sometimes like and they're all very old. So sometimes like the labels are rubbed off or like the buttons mm-hmm. all look the same. So yeah, we I had a specialist come up from the the company and just walk me through it. Um, but I had been I had been through a little training thing before with on some other ones that I had done too. So. Super cool. That's good insight. <laughs> I've only yeah. done like regular, like, you know, regular size lift, but an 80 foot lift. I'm like, wow, that's, that's intense. 
So how do you get clients and customers or get projects booked? I know you do, you work with a lot of, you know, big corporate commercial clients. Like how do you get those booked? Honestly, a lot of my work I book through Instagram and referrals. Most of my jobs are just sort of like I mentioned earlier, the snowball effect of one job leading to the next job to the next job. Um, Oftentimes, a lot of producers that I've worked with and when you work in the commercial uh, world, a lot of those producers um, change production companies or agencies fairly quickly. Hey, Gangstar, sorry to interrupt, but if you're enjoying this episode so far, stop what you're doing right now and share this podcast with your friends on social media or text it to a friend in your contacts. If you're a true Gangstar and want to uplift and empower other creatives like I know you do, you're going to want to take a few seconds to do this now. Go ahead and pick your phone back up or click that browser tab that you're playing this episode in, hit that pause button and share it now. Hello, what are you waiting for? All right. Thank you for doing that. Now let's get back to the show. Um, So they're going from job to job. So I've been referred to a lot of different brands and work through producers. Tons of my stuff is from Instagram. I'd say Instagram was the only thing I was getting jobs from at the beginning. Like people Um, just DMing you or you were doing active outreach or what specifically? Um, kind of both. I would say more people were DMing me. I was trying to be, uh, engaging and active as much as I could on there. And it was like a really, really difficult thing for me. Social media for me is I have, I, I truly struggle with it. If I can be honest, (laughs) I'm, I don't naturally, I don't feel naturally drawn to, social media and all that it entails. Like I know a lot of people, or at least it looks and seems like a lot of people enjoy it and like to post. They're good at posting. It's fun to them. They love sharing. I think I'm a pretty private person in that sense of like when I'm in a moment, I just kind of want to be in the moment. And Mm -hmm. on a lot of my jobs, like I get why social media is a full-time job in in many instances but when you're representing yourself it's like really difficult because you're just constantly having to keep up and post and share um but yeah i would say like a lot of people actually from my past who would were following me on instagram would reach out about commissions or they knew someone or they'd refer Mm me um But yeah, starting my Instagram page was also another huge thing that I would encourage everyone, everyone, no matter how much you hate it, no matter how bad it hurts to post, no matter how bad you think that drawing is that you drew, put it out there, put it out there because not only are you allowing people to see what you're doing, I think it's, you can learn a lot about yourself and your art by the response that you're getting from certain pieces. I cannot tell you how many posts I have put up and taken down. I mean, mm. I've redone my entire profile probably <laughs> twice now just because, like I said, you have to pivot. People weren't responding to this one thing. Okay, I'm pivoting this way now. Okay, I'm going to start deleting those things now because now it doesn't really match the brand that I've created for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I really think that uh, in this Instagram game, like in social media game, people believe what they see. So if you want to be a lettering artist, just put out lettering pieces every single day. And guess what? I guarantee someone's going to be like, hey, will you make one of those for me? And yeah. then the person shows it on theirs. And then someone else is like, oh, I like that. Who made that? And it's just like a chain reaction from there. If you want to paint cacti or uh, sea turtles, post the crap out of some sea turtles. And <laughs> you're going to become the sea turtle person. It's like, the, I think the more we can put it in front of people's faces of like, here, here's the thing I do. Here's, here's how I can do it. Um, oh, here's a different way how I can do it. Which one do you like? We as artists or as entrepreneurs, even more so, we'll start to see what value there is in what we're creating and what value there isn't. Um, right. So I would encourage anyone starting out to, to definitely create website, create social media, try to engage um, as much as possible. I'm sure there's some new way that I don't even know about maybe TikTok or something mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that I don't do. That's probably even better than Instagram now. But um, yeah, I think staying on top of that is the future. And it's important that we as artists are putting our artwork out there. Cause it's also just a really great well, way to sell pieces and share what we're doing and creating. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. But also, I mean, um, once you have figured out your brand and what type of art you want to create, I, there was definitely a time and there are still moments where I will reach out and cold email people, introduce myself, um, share what I'm doing. Um, I think email campaigns where you're sharing, um, like check-ins with, people and brands and other creatives. I think that's always a great way to gain influence and connect with people who could potentially hire you. I love it. That's solid advice. Is there like, is there, would you say there's any characteristics or things artists need to have as far as like ducks in a row, as far as, you know, if they want to work with bigger, like corporate commercial clients that they look for that you feel like you had that makes you, you know, stand out amongst all the artists that they could choose from? Is there any like, you know, things like that that you could recommend? Yeah, definitely a website. Even if it's just a landing page that looks super Mm -hmm. professional and clean, um, showcasing as much work as possible and kind of to uh, echo what I just said, like trying to streamline what you're offering to your clients. So if you're just starting out and you're not quite sure, do I want to do lettering? Do I want to do murals? Do I want to do art direction? Do I want to do production design? Which I'm saying this because I used to be this person. I had like eight tabs on my website at one point, like highlighting all the things I can do and hire me in any of these ways. Cause I can do them all. <laughs> I, I would say I found zero success in that. Um, pick one or two or pick your, maybe not, I'm not even going to give you a number, but pick your strongest or pick your strong suits 
and highlight that on your website. So if, if you, what you really want to, if what you know about yourself, you really want to create digital lettering pieces for brands. You need to have sample, sam sample samples on your website of digital lettering pieces and then maybe some hand, hand painted ones or, and then maybe some mural sized ones so they can see ways that your artwork can be translated in different ways. But streamlining mm -hmm. that and thinking about the person who's clicking on your website or clicking even your Instagram page, um, think about it as this person knows nothing about me and what are these images saying about me and what I can offer them. Keep it super clean, keep it super simple um, so that they clearly can just look and see. Like we don't need a lot of clicking and pointing and taking you to another page. And then also I have this other portfolio, put it in one, one, think of it as like a one sheet where these people, whoever's coming to your website, it's the easiest thing they can do. They don't even have to click on a tab and they open up your page and it's like, oh, I get it. Erin Miller Ray, she does colorful graphic murals, done. Let's hire <laughs> her, you know? So I, yeah. I, I'd say clean website, clean Instagram. Um, messaging is all, also another important thing. Like be very clear on your messaging. Uh, if you're doing lettering, uh, you know, that's like a big part. You're, you're semi a writer. You're choosing how you're influencing people through the words on your imagery. If it's uplifting, if it's edgy, if it's political, like um, choose a few of those or just even one of those. And like that's and, and streamline that so that they know exactly who you are as an artist and what your message is so that they can see, does that align with my brand? Um, what else? I would say pay the money to have an email address that matches, that's not a Gmail, that mm -hmm. an email address that matches your uh, website. I think that looks super pro um, and I think people trust people who don't have a Gmail um, more so than uh, someone who does. Um, make some sample emails, like research, do some research and practice like what you're saying and what you're asking of people. Um, <laughs> here, here's the thing I will tell all people, artists, entrepreneurs, anyone, small business owners, avoid the term or the phrase, can I pick your brain? Never, yes. <laughs> never reach out to anyone and ask if I can pick your brain. It's like as much as, as much as I will even allow you to do that. I would love to have coffee with you and help you and encourage you, but I have busted my tail for seven years now to build my business and a stranger is approaching me and asking me, how'd you do this? Tell me all the answers. It, <laughs> it's like, it's, it, I don't know. <laughs> no, I totally get it. I mean, it's like, did you even try? Like, yeah. and I, I made a whole video actually on this, like never asking somebody to pick their brain. And even like yes. from my aspect and what I tell people, it's like, 
if you're going to ask for help, like do your research first. And then if you ha still have a question, just ask like a brief, simple question. But if you really want the goods, like you got to pay them and be okay with that and look at it as an investment in yourself. And like when I want something or I want to learn something the quick way, like I don't hesitate to pay somebody by the hour to tell me the things that I want to know. <laughs> and exactly. that's how like the outside, outside of the art world, that's how the business world works. Like people, there's like consultants, coaches, things like that. And people get paid to have their knowledge accessed. Exactly. And I also just think at the end of the day, the smarter move is just invest in a person. Don't mm -hmm. invest in quick turnaround of give me answers, give me answers. Like how about just reach out to that person and try to invest in their life, really mm -hmm. get to know them. You will yeah. gain so much more knowledge from having them as a friend or a confidant or a mentor in your life long-term and getting answers like slowly as you go, or just being able to watch their life and go to them with personal questions, then, hey, I'll buy you a coffee for five bucks, but I wanna know all the <laughs> answers. Like it just, yeah. it feels very much like we should be building. <laughs> yeah, we should be building communities and relationships rather than quick and easy, trying to get quick and easy money. Absolutely. What would you say is your process like when people, clients hire you or what your process is like when corporate companies hire you? I mean, I mean, you recently did a cool project with like Xbox and 2K doing a basketball court, like hashtag yeah. goals there. What, what was that process? What's that process like? Yeah. Um, I actually just finished a second one with them. I did one last year and then we went back and I did one with Candace Parker just last month oh, that we're, we're about to announce, which is really exciting. Um, the process is, oh gosh. Um, so we usually start with a design, like a design brief meeting where we discuss um, the hopes of, from the client, like the hope of like, what would you like to see? What, you know, what's our goal here as far as artwork? And in this case, um, on this last basketball court, man, it was just such an opportunity to work with a really, really incredible community of people that shared us the stories with us that they felt they had been really overlooked in many ways over the years. And it was a community that felt um, maybe not, not seen and understood and supported. And so we kind of took that and in conjunction with Candace, developed um, ideas of how this artwork could better serve this community. And mm. I'll put together on my end, I'll put together a design brief and I send it to the clients and the producers. Um, we go through several rounds of drafts of edits and we share in on this one in particular, we were sharing these drafts with the community and getting feedback, hearing more stories and how we could implement their voices through the artwork and um, give them a piece that they would be proud of. So that was like a big part of um, piecing the design together and making sure that their story was heard through the imagery or they saw themselves in this artwork because they're the ones that are going to be using it um, 
it's a basketball court like right in their backyard. So it was really important to us that we, that they felt like it was theirs versus someone just coming in and painting something that meant nothing to this community of people. Mm -hmm. Um, So several rounds of drafts and then, you know, we buy plane tickets and we get out there and we install And this one. Um, I was only available to be out there for half of the installation. So I worked in conjunction with Project Backboard, which is an incredible um, group of artists that they specialize in refurbishing and painting artwork on basketball courts. So they had a team of hmm. guys out there um, that were painting with us. And it, this one ended up, I think the install took a 10 or 11 days they were out there um and i was out there at the beginning um yeah so and then yeah that's pretty much it and it's just a wild ride of several months of edits and back and forth Mm. um and then we do the installation and it's over like that it's crazy because it (laughs) feels like it's such a long process and then the installations are like over in a snap yeah. So it's it's a weird it's a weird feeling to have worked that long and then all of a sudden it's like the painting is the easiest part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I always hear stories, you know, with different people working with different um, corporate commercial clients where like it's like sometimes projects takes years before they actually do the install or they actually see the product or you know project yeah. come to life um so it's cool hearing the insight of the behind the scenes of this project specifically and you said it take, took like a few months and then 10 days of actually installing it and then boom yeah, yeah. now we have a beautiful basketball court and <laughs> another thing i will say like just thinking about process is obviously the, the, the biggest word that comes to mind is contracts. Like as an artist and a small business owner, like never do any work without contracts signed, sealed and delivered. Yeah. Um, It's just so important on, on everybody's end. So everyone understands expectation. Everyone understands guidelines, timelines, um, I know what I need to do on my end. They know what they need to do on their end and no work should start until that is completely cleared away and signed. It's so important. I know it, I I still do this even, like I I get so excited when I book a job or they say they wanna book me for a job and it's like, okay, great, let's go, let's go, let's start today. (laughs) So exciting, but like, it's really, really important and it will benefit you so much in the long run um, to not come back, back and bite you in the behind when things come up in the middle of the project and it wasn't discussed or you don't have it in writing or they said this, but they didn't actually follow through on this. That mm-hmm. stuff is so important um, and will save you so much time, energy, and money in the long run if you have it all squared away at the beginning. Oh, that's such solid advice. And yeah. I know there's like, there's templates out there. You just, 
you could hire a lawyer to do that for you. And I know a lot of times the bigger companies will have their contracts, but everybody must know that a contract isn't just like finalized. You can go in and change things around. Like some creatives feel like they just have to say yes to everything, but it's like, no, this is a mutual agreement. You can take things out. You can, you know, redline it um, and add things in so that everybody's on the same page and happy with, you know, moving forward. Exactly. Exactly. Like, don't ever feel pressured to sign anything, anything. You're always allowed to say, I'm going to take a day and read this, or Mm -hmm. I'm going to take the week and read this, you know, like take your time, get people to read it with you. If you feel alone in the process, um, legal zoom, legal shield, those are all great outlets. And I think sources that you can even call and get on the phone with people Mm -hmm. and ask those kind of questions. If you don't feel like, you know the answer, but most of the stuff is online. But yeah, don't ever feel pressured by a big client to sign anything because they want you. You actually have the power. So <laughs> use, exactly. that. use that and make sure you're getting uh, fairly compensated and um, terms are fairly written. What would you say is your method for pricing your services? This is something that a lot of creatives struggle with as far as like figuring out what to charge. So I love to hear um, how other creatives, you know, figure out their pricing methods and structure. So what's yours? Yeah, Um, man, it's changed so much throughout the years. Um, I think when I first started off, I was, I think I was breaking kind of in my brain, I was breaking it down hourly. Like I would roughly base how many hours do I think this thing is going to take me and Hmm. how much is my time worth? Um, I feel like maybe I started at like $48 an hour and then went up to 65 and like, that was a big deal. And then it was like (laughs) 70, like, Whoa, I don't know that they're going to say yes to this. You know, so, (laughs) but I would always present it to them as a flat rate. I think that's important um, when presenting to clients, like keep it as simple as possible. Um, Like you can show them the breakdown if you want, but just give them the flat rate of what you think it would be total. Um, And, and then it's kind of up to you. Like if you go over that, that's, you know, depending on what your contract says or what you promise them, like it's kind of on you to stay within, within those hours that you estimated. Um, and I think as your business grows that, that can change. You can add on a creative fee, which means uh, like how much your artwork, your artwork itself is worth. Um, you can add in things like, licenses and usage and all of that adds on to the larger fee. But um, I don't do hourly rate anymore. I just do a flat fee based on uh, what kind of project project it is, what the usage is, what the terms are. um, And then I add on additional labor fee for like my assistant um, and, and what kind of setting will be in uh, during the installation. Mm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Do you have like, um, lots of things. 
Yeah. That's the thing about like creative business. There's just so many factors that come into play and there's so many different ways you can do it. So I think what you shared is really valuable. Um, cause you know, you have like the square footage or square inch method. Some people have day rates, you sharing the hourly rate and then kind of switching to just a flat rate and taking everything into consideration. I think yeah. what people listening can take away is just kind of like taking what Aaron shared, but then also whatever you feel like feels good to you, where you feel like when you walk away from this, you're gonna be like, dang, I should have charged more. Dang, like I feel yeah. taken advantage of. Like you don't want that to happen. Yeah, because I think there's a point in your career where like, and as artists, like we have to stop thinking of ourselves as day laborers. Um, like we're not just painters, um, or at least in my career, I'm, I don't consider myself just a painter anymore. Like I'm an artist, like you're purchasing my art. This is an original piece of art. So mm -hmm. if we can shift our brains to stop thinking of, okay, how long is this going to take versus how much is my art worth? Like, what do I think this piece of art is worth? Because no one else is going to have it. I mean, you can really put a, a, a strong price tag on that when you look at it in that way and, and are confident in your work and people are requesting your work in that sense. So I think, I think that's another kind of I've arrived moment, like you were talking about earlier, where you can look at your artwork and say, I am an artist. This is a piece that I created and someone is purchasing the rights and usage of this piece versus how many hours is this going to take me to paint? Mm -hmm. So yeah. I, yeah, I definitely think that that's a thing that as you grow into your career, you can kind of step into that moment and figure out what that rate and what that looks like for you. Do you have a team or do you outsource? I know you've mentioned assistants. Um, what does yeah. that look like and what are the roles? I have, um, I have an incredible assistant. She's not an employee of mine. She's actually an artist as well and has her own business. Um, her name's Christina Baglatti. I love her so much and she's so awesome. But yeah, I, um, I outsource everybody. So I use all subcontractors. Um, yeah. We got to be insured. Insurance is another thing, a big thing as you're stepping into like larger projects and projects where you're on site and working with um, on site at, um, at brands and businesses. That's another thing to like be very um, aware of as you're stepping onto people's sites and working with other people and hiring other um, subcontractors. Just know about insurance and if they're licensed. Um, or not licensed, but um, a business, mm -hmm. their own business and protected. Um, that's, those are things that I always look for just because we're working on such big projects. It's important um, that we do it safely and everyone can walk away feeling safe and protected. Um, but yeah, depending on the project, Christina and I usually work on most of the, um, most of my projects together because she's very well-rounded as an artist and she has she actually went to art school like she's even a more of a skilled artist than I am <laughs> as far <laughs> as technique she's so good and she's worked with paint companies before so she's very intelligent when it comes to product and types of materials and things that we should mm. use on site so she's been a huge asset to me and 
finding someone like that as well that you can team up with and bounce ideas and work together with is another great way to set up your business for success because it also creates consistency on your projects it's difficult i think when you're constantly changing out um, assistance or constantly having to look for people to help um, mm -hmm. it's nice to have just a go-to person or a couple of people but i'm always looking for new artists to help me out depending on the project but a lot of these murals um because there's lifts involved i can usually only have one other person sometimes one or two others on top of that just for spatial um, purposes and for safety purposes yeah you also mentioned like other is there um other roles that you hire a subcontract out other than an assistant or is it typically just like assistants on site helping you just get the project done just assistance on site i do everything else um mm. and yeah, that's, I, that's kind of, like I said earlier, that's the part that I really love. Like I love communicating with clients. I love, um, answering emails, the social media part. Like I wish I could hire someone <laughs> to do that. Um, but it's, it's difficult because I feel like I am still, I'm, I'm the one with the vision of, of me and i want it to be true to my voice and true to my company so right now i'm managing all of that so yeah i mean i have a studio in my house i had a studio across town in la but then we moved and nobody wants to drive more than 20 minutes 